We are so excited to have Tim joining us today to share his experience as a medical cannabis patient, along with how his past work as an addiction counselor and his current work in mental health field has given him the opportunity to see firsthand how cannabis is helping others. We will be discussing a variety of topics today that need to be addressed with a focus on the connection between opiate use and bridging the safe use of medical cannabis. Everything we discuss and share today is provided as a medical awareness so others can make decisions for their own pain, health, and life. Good morning, Tim. So glad that you're here. Could you uh, give us a little bit of information about your background with cannabis and uh, what brings you here to discuss with us today your experiences? Okay, well, thanks for having me, Debbie. Uh, I think one of the issues I've had for, for a while now that I've had to address in various ways is issues with my stomach um, without getting too deep into all the various things uh, I've experienced. Uh, I've had uh, an issue when I had my gallbladder out many years ago, and it seemed like after that happened, I had just an array of all kinds of stomach issues that just were compounded. It was uh, it started with uh, a lot of reflux, then there was pain from gastritis, then there was IBS, then there was vomiting. I mean, all the fun stuff that um, you you tend to. Uh, so I've had a lot of issues, and just to my experience with pain. Obviously, anyone who's ever had acid reflux from maybe eating too much, uh, you know it's not pleasant. But what happened was with me is all the other issues uh, created pain in my stomach. Uh, I remember being, there were times before I found cannabis, before I found any sort of relief, um, you know, because cannabis has been most helpful for me. I was on the floor often with gastritis pains and literally just on the floor, rolling around, trying to find some sort of like peace um, <laughs> dealing with it. It was just intense. So I, I went to, and I'm not lying about this, I went to three different gastro, uh, gastroenterologists. Um, and I will say my experiences weren't super pleasant because as you know, I'm sure with any sort of issue, whether it's you know, a major health concern, a lot of doctors, they'll want to diagnose it immediately. They want one linear diagnosis and then they'll start throwing medicines at you. Now my experience with my issues that I've had amongst the three gastroenterologists, I would say it would not be um, an exaggeration if I said I probably, I probably tried 15 to 20 different drugs. Um, and there's no real need to mention them. The different things to slow down motility, things to suppress the acid, things to help uh, with pain and gas. Uh, but I do recall the second one I went to, this is where my frustration started with just the, med you know, the medical community. Uh, the, the same gastroenterologist I had seen, that's a word I, I still struggle with. Uh, she said to me at one point after seeing her a few times and not getting any relief, she said, almost like um, very dismissively, she's like, what, what do you want me to do for you? And it literally was that, that tone and that was hugely frustrating. So immediately after that, got referred to another gastroenterologist from the girl I was dating at the time who was supposed to be like the elite guy in Pennsylvania. And he, you know, he went over some stuff with me and at one point, now I also have issues with anxiety. I've had them since I was a little boy. At one point, and there's, there, this may play into my stomach issues a little bit, I'm sure it does, especially with IBS, but he, at one point he said to me, he's like, don't, did you ever consider that you may just have to live with this issue the rest of your life? And I thought to myself, well, of course, because I've been going through this for a while now, I've been living with it for five years at least. So last year, just to jump ahead a little bit then, I, I was done with them was done the medicines they gave me. I went to my primary care doctor after a friend referred me to one of the local um, doctors here to, and it just, he works in the community to help people get their medical card. And I went to my PCP who I love. She's just a lovely woman. And I said, you know, I'm really thinking about trying, you know, medicinal cannabis for, for my health concerns. And I expected, for the most part, I expected to go for hand up and say, whoa, no good, no research, no, useless, not helpful. And uh, she's actually said, you know, that's actually a great idea. She said, I have a few other patients who've tried it and they've had um, a decent amount of success with it. 
I say, uh, you know, she didn't give me like, you know, the green thumb and just say, go out and do it. Here's my endorsement. But she basically did. She implied that, um, which I appreciated because obviously she's not a provider for that. Um, so I, I went for it. You know, I scheduled an appointment. Unfortunately, I knew the woman who worked at the, uh, you know, where I went to the doctor. And the experience was great um, for me. I didn't, know what to, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Uh, the doctor had a guitar in the corner, so I'm a musician, so I immediately <laughs> I felt some, some ease with seeing that. And, you know, he, I will remember what he did say when I was in there, and this, this will play in, I guess, to our conversation. He did say, uh, you're going to have to experiment. You're going to have to play around. He did talk a little bit about strains and effects and how I'd have to, you know, the different um, between, like, hybrid, sativa, indica. He said, you know, you're going to just have to experiment and trust the people at the dispensary and do some research. And uh, so that's where I started. And uh, here I am. Uh, that was a year, a little over a year ago. I find it interesting that you comment about them telling you or kind of making you believe this is, you know, is this, you just might have to live with this. Are you okay with that? And I went through a similar situation with my health and the doctors just basically told me, you basically have five years, just accept this as your life and just learn to live with it or deal with it. And it's like, I don't understand how they can just so easily give up on trying to fix something that is seriously a health issue that you're struggling with. I think it's great that you had a doctor that was supportive, but did she have any real information to help you in determining what you should do as far as treatment and using cannabis for your health? Well, she, no, she's younger. Uh, she's a little bit more contemporary, I think. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm in my 40s. I believe she's in her uh, late 30s. So she doesn't have a whole lot of information, but I think she's more in tune with it than the other doctors I had seen. And I think just being a little bit more open-minded to it. Uh, in Pennsylvania now, I, I don't know exactly how long it's been uh, legal for medicinal purposes, but it's been, you know, it's been about two years, I'd say. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. So it's not like it, this is something that just popped up last week, and I'm like, oh, doc, you know, hook me up. Let's get out, you know, go to this friend's fair. I need help. Uh, it was something I actually thought about because back um, about two years ago when I was doing the throwing up, I was throwing up daily. And, I, you know, I can't imagine, like, I know people, um, I'll use my oldest son uh, as an example, like, he can't stand throwing up. He'd rather just do everything he can to prevent it if he's sick. But so now imagine, like, you have so much issues with your stomach that you're literally going to wake up every day for I was just almost for a year and you know you're going to throw up at least once at some point in the day and try and live with that you know what i mean that try and explain that to a doctor or another person if you haven't experienced that it's it's worse than it sounds it's it's bad so i looked at originally before i even got uh my car before i talked to my doctor i looked at at marinol which, as you know, is, is specific to cancer patients for nausea. But I, I figured, hey, I got nausea. Like, it's the same thing. And my insurance, it wouldn't cover it. So we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars for that. I forget. It was close to $1,000, I'm sure. And so I gave up on that immediately. And, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because nobody really knows. And everyone's um, degree of pain and how they handle it and manage it is totally different. So. I think once you experience it, and I know you have, if you experience it for long periods of time, it's debilitating. You know, if you have anxiety, it's going to make that worse. If you're not depressed already, it's going to make you depressed. <laughs> and the other thing is, it's like you focus on it after a while. You're thinking about it almost constantly. When's it going to happen? When am I going to flare up? When am I going to have to go to the bathroom five or six times today? You know, and uh, one. so I think a lot of that, uh, came full circle to me. So when I, it came time to decide to go to the, the doctor and get my card, I didn't have a whole lot of reservations. I just was a little, you know, nervous because I, had, I hadn't done this before. So the process of doing it kind of wasn't overwhelming, but it was like, oh, we're, we're getting into a new world here. You know, let's put on my spacesuit and fly off to space here. Um, well, if you were like me, you entered into the dispensary thinking that there's not a whole lot of science behind this and it's just pick up something and use it and I'll feel better according to what I hear on the news or on YouTube and that is not true. Uh, it actually is determining what 
cannabinoids work for you and understanding your system the thing we really try to focus on is understanding your pharmaceuticals and the role that they play with this as well because we do know thc and cbd will interact or will cause you to have an interaction with your pharmaceuticals because they're working on the exact same receptors which it makes sense but that's something that's not discussed a lot when we go to the dispensary if at all and right. I think it's really important that we see that cannabis is really medicine and it really is a necessity to our system. And that when we are targeting the ECS system correctly and, and using the right cannabinoids, the results are amazing. And if you don't have a health condition to treat, you can't experience what we do. That's the thing that it took me a good while to figure that out. And it's and it's just talking to people that don't have a health condition and they're like well i don't feel that well no right. you can't because you've uh, never had pain you don't know what it is to live in pain all the time 24 hours a day seven days a week that doesn't stop yeah yeah and if you're like me i wouldn't even tell anybody that my pain was reducing because i was so afraid that that it wasn't true that it was going to go away that i was going to lose it that you know, I just didn't believe it because I had lived in pain for so many years. So having that just kind of relieve and go away is, is, is so unusual of a feeling after you've lived in chronic pain for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, you do kind of get used to it, but you don't really get used to it, if that makes sense. Like you, you live with it, but you certainly don't enjoy any of it. And you're right. Seven days a week, it doesn't really take a vacation. It doesn't take a day off. Uh, I, you know, I, I do, I did try a few pharmaceuticals that are helpful. I do take an acid blocker. Um, that I think coupled with the cannabis has been very helpful. As far as anything else goes though, I don't use anything now. And uh, I feel good about that because I don't want to be one of those people. I work at a crisis clinic for mental health and there's so many people in there that don't just take uh, psych meds. They take all kinds of meds for high blood pressure, for you know, you name it, and they're on, you know, 12, 13, 14 drugs. I'm thinking to myself, you know, your sister is, your system is so clogged up and overloaded. How could any of these things work together, like work in tandem? They're just fighting each other. You're over-medicated. You're still kind of miserable. It's, it's helping a little, but in the long run, it's, it probably doesn't do as much good as they think it does or as much as they want it to. And I can speak to that. I've eliminated 28 medications that I don't use, pharmaceuticals that I don't use anymore. And wow. it's due to using cannabis. And I'm from a medical background. And so I was very bought into, we have to use pharmaceuticals. We need our doctors to take care of us. That was just the, the school that I went to and learning. And I've always been interested in holistic medicine, but just never really experienced it and went full out for myself until I got noticed that I would not be getting my pain medications anymore and was kind of kicked to the curb. And uh, that's when this whole world of cannabis really opened up and I began to search and realize the importance of us understanding it as patients so that we can help the medical community come along. But I think you and I both have experience of understanding how many pain patients are out there that are still being left behind with no access and no support. Uh, would you share a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, sure. I, I was a counselor um, in 2018. I was a counselor both inpatient and outpatient for essentially opioids. The second place I worked that was outpatient was an opioid clinic. And when I was inpatient, the large majority of people that were there uh, were patients who were dealing with uh, opioid abuse disorder. So I'm very familiar with pain. And I, as, after a while, and I went to school for counseling uh, for substance abuse. After a while, I kind of separated physical pain from emotional pain, which is what I think a lot of people deal with. One or the other, sometimes they cross over a lot. But I, you know, for example, I'll just give it a good example. One of my patients, outpatient-wise, had a major motorcycle accident as a young man. Like the story, I can't retell it because it was wild. Like he, I don't know how he lived, but starting with that, he he got oxys, and you know, in a short time, he was addicted. And of course, uh, the ease of of getting heroin on the street, uh, you know, the, it's a, it's a lot less. Uh, it's very available anywhere. I mean, in Harrisburg, 
I don't know where to go get it, but I know there are sections in Pennsylvania where you just can go get it. And then it's like that across the country, of course. So, you know, I, I know that physical pain also leads to emotional pain, but whether you're dealing with one or the other, uh, there has to be, you know, an option. And I think that a lot of people forget that not everyone is just going out looking for drugs to have a good time and party. Uh, there's, there's people with real problems. And, you know, I, I take the emotional stuff well, too, because in mental health, uh, I would say at any given time, the facility I work at, two-thirds, up to two-thirds of people there have some sort of uh, addiction or some sort of diagnosis for a lot of it. A lot of it's uh, what I see is marijuana. Um, they, they still call that, you know, abuse. They're still diagnosing that as abuse. So let's throw that out there. We see a lot of uh, stimulants, stimulant abuse, uh, the synthetic cannabinoids, which um, scare the hell out of me. And working with clients should scare the hell out of everybody. Uh, but I've heard a lot of stories, uh, just general misery. And, you know, I see patients now that come in residence in my facility that have nerve pain, have issues that I can't relate to at all. And a lot of times I'll work with um, people, uh, my coworkers just don't understand it. And they'll immediately call them pill shoppers and, you know, people that are out to manipulate you to get their drugs. And immediately everybody comes, becomes this faceless addict and everybody looks the same. It's simply not the case. Uh, so I, my, my idea is that people should be treated, you know, on the same level. And we look at it as a weakness or a lack of willpower. You know, I'm looking to empower people personally. I believe I'm a big believer in uh, harm reduction. So I know cannabis can play a huge role because in PA, I don't know about Arizona, but PA does have um, one of the, the you know, the... <clears throat> Diagnosis is that it's um, qualified for opioid use disorder is there. So I think that's a, a huge issue to break the stigma and, you know, of, of using this because the stigma is that, well, it's still a drug. Let's just lump it in with everything else. And you know, if you're taking it, you're just replacing one drug with the other, which I don't believe because they're on such different levels, as you know, that I mean, it opens up a whole different conversation. I think it's important though for people to start recognizing that. And I think that's what's great about what you're doing because there, there's not just a bunch of, you know, weak-willed addicts out there pill shopping or, or hanging on the street, being homeless if they have to, to get their next fix. Uh, it's, there's so much misunderstanding. And I, when I worked at the clinic, I was telling people about harm reduction and they'd scratch their head after I explained it. And they'd say, well, you're just, you're condoning it almost. You're enabling them you know, methadone, we would use methadone and uh, suboxone at the clinic. And I said, you know what it does? It gives people, with those things, they, it does give people the ability to live their life. They're not gonna worry about dying. They know what they're getting. And the more I thought about it as I was at the clinic, because the doctor didn't really, she would always tell me, well, I don't really believe in medicinal marijuana or cannabis because there's not enough research on it. <laughs> and I was, I was in school, I was going to Elizabethtown College and I was doing research on marijuana. There's, stu there's stuff, you know, you open up a wormhole and you climb in it. There's a lot of research out there. So I kind of didn't know what she was talking about. Uh, but I think there is, for harm reduction purposes and for pain management, cannabis is absolutely something that people should look at and look into. This morning I did a quick scan just to see how many research articles I have that I haven't even put on the website yet. I have over 23 research articles showing that cannabis is good for chronic pain of all kinds, not just one, that, then that goes, coincides with all the anecdotal evidence that we have with the patients that we're working with on the website. And then there was something like 39 research articles that I had on harm reduction and using it for reducing opiates. And they all say it works. So I don't really understand how we're still here having this conversation and that we still have the rate of suicide that we have in this country due to patients that are using opiates 
for pain or, and it doesn't matter what your pain is. I think any pain should be treated regardless, like you said, whether it's, it's brain health or physical health, those are all very important and no one's pain is any better or worse than the others. It's a pain that needs to be resolved. And it's not something any of us have the ability to just turn off without some form of help. Listening to you talk about what's happening in the rehab centers and the mental health field is very saddening to me because I worked in that and was exposed to it for years. I don't see that they're willing to make the changes that need to be made to help these patients. They want to just stay stuck in that, in that teaching that they've already had and not allowing themselves to to explore outside of that with all the evidence that we have. And I don't know how we bridge that. I would love to hear if you have any suggestions of how we do that, because I meet with doctors and pain clinics and talk to them, and I just can't break through that door. Do you have any suggestions? Well, I, th I think what's, what's missing with a lot of the, um, and I'll take the doctor, for example. I think she's missing the, the full picture of some of these clients, some of these patients that are coming in. Uh, they're, they're so varied. Uh, and I think what, what I've understood about it is not just, it just, it stops about being high, it stops about getting high. And of course, it's all about withdrawal. And once, you know, with, with drugs like um, heroin, cocaine, I mean, there's a tolerance you build up to. So you're constantly feeding that withdrawal, you're not getting high anymore, and it becomes this unpleasant cycle of getting up in the morning, how am I going to get my next fix? I'll just use that word. And and your day starts like that and ends like that. And then the next day you go right back into it. So I think there needs to be a change in the mentality of the way we look at uh, each individual and stop just, um, you know, just generalizing, okay, everyone's the same way. Let's just all treat them the same way. It's kind of like going back to the gastroenterologist. Like, oh, you got here, here's some Prilosex. You don't have acid reflux anymore. Oh, here's, uh, you know, hycosamine for your IBS. Okay, now you don't have any problem with that. That just doesn't work. So I think it, it has to be, there has to be some minds that get opened up and, you know, people are stubborn. Um, when I first went into uh, counseling uh, and even went to school for counseling before I even got a job, I was like, uh, recreational marijuana, it's going to create all kinds of problems and, oh, harm reduction, that's ridiculous. Why would you give them another drug to help with the, the drug they're on, you know? I think education is huge, and the more voices that are kind of shouting and <laughs> shouting in the street, hey, this works. Hey, this is great. Hey, look at this. You know, you don't need to follow. You don't. You don't need to buy into everything I'm saying, but at least look at it. At least look at the different possibilities, and consider that medicine, uh, modern medicine, may have failed some people. It's may not maybe not great for everybody, but there's certainly an option that's great for a lot of people. Well, the one thing we know is that there is good reason for certain pharmaceuticals and certain medical treatments. There's no mistaking that. There is. But there has to be some real reason to understanding the endocannabinoid system and having our doctors and our, our medical schools being open to that. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, that natural system, I don't think everyone, I don't think a lot of people are even aware of that. So I think just uh, that's a good educational point to let people know about that. That way it doesn't sound so foreign. Like, well, why would I need this? Why would I use this? You know, uh, there's, there's a lot to it. And I think when you become educated, you maybe become more interested in it and it doesn't become this like taboo thing anymore, which I think has been long coming because I think a lot of people view it as something like that's still on the fringe. Um, I don't know why. I can't speak to that, but I think, you know, I, in Pennsylvania, at least, I think there's been a lot more acceptance of it that I've seen, at least, which is promising. One of the bigger fears with all of this that I struggle with, especially with doctors not being on board, is that we leave patients in a very vulnerable state to where when they don't have access to medicine and they don't have access to proper treatments. I can tell you living in a pain of 10 is not a place you want to live. And it's a place that at some point you will decide, I have to do something different. This isn't a quality of life for me. It's not a quality of life for my family. You start feeling like you're a burden to your family because yeah. you can't participate. You can't be involved in the daily activities. Um, you can't get up and do what a normal person does. You don't have a job anymore. You just lose so much visibility and 
abilities to do things. So you start looking at and exploring suicide. And that is a place that, you know, we don't want to find anyone. I know there's millions of people that are there today. There'll probably be about 150 people commit suicide today. I think pain patients are the strongest people I have ever met. Yeah. Because you have to work through so much just to get through each second of every day. It's not like you can go about your day like everybody else does. You have to give up so much and you have to readjust so much. So I think that understanding the role that cannabis can play within that realm is so important because I can say it saved my life. Um, What experience have you seen with that with patients and coming into your clinics or your past work? Well, with with pain, you know, I saw a lot of people that, um, you know, your life, you don't really realize what it's like to have something until you have it, you know? Like, Absolutely. Like you just, you just roll along and everything's good and all of a sudden, bam, it's not good. I always like to say that, you know, everything's good until it's not. I think a lot of pain patients, uh, they, they struggle with it mentally. I, I've seen that. I haven't seen a lot of suicide, but now that you mention it, I believe that's probably prevalent. I just, I'm not experienced a lot of that myself. The amount of overdoses I've seen uh, is, yeah, it's eye-opening and it's very disheartening. I think a lot of people just, they, they don't, they, they get stuck. Once they're in pain, they get stuck. Since nobody around them doesn't, they don't understand it. And their doctors included sometimes, there's, there's not a lot of outlets for them. And I can imagine that people get frustrated to the point of, well, I give up, you know, I'm just there. But a lot of people that I, uh, you know, counsel, they really wanted help and they were willing to do a lot of things to get it. Myself, you know, I, I, I do talk therapy, I meditate, I do other things that are important um, besides using cannabis. And I, I think that other people are starting to open up to those kind of things because they're just sick of it. They're just, like I said, whether it's emotional or physical pain or both, it's not a quality of life. And, you know, what's the point of walking around like a, a zombie who's falling to pieces if you can't enjoy your life and you know you, you're right like people lose their jobs people can't have relationships uh, people isolate people stop complaining about it. like i there was a point where of course my kids had to see it because like you know we even went we went to hershey park once which is a lo- local amusement park and i'm i'm throwing up in a trash can outside of the bathroom you know my stomach is rotting here with my kids trying to have fun uh, so you start not you start not doing things or avoiding things in life that you enjoy, which I can imagine you do as well. You just kind of give up on it. And I think people are looking for hope and they'll do a lot of things that are not necessarily helpful to get there, just out of frustration. And a lot of the behaviors, uh, you know, it's just because they have got no other option. I think that. And that's, Yeah, that's the key. You don't have any other options. I mean, you take pain patients today. I had been seeing doctor for my health condition for decades. And then just one day, okay, we're not going to do this anymore due to the opiate crisis. You're at 240 milligrams. Goodbye. See you later. You know, what is a patient supposed to do that goes through that? I mean, you can't just stop OxyContin. We all know that. So, you know, what are you going to do with those patients? And that's happening right now every day. And it's like, they're going to look for some alternative. And unfortunately, a lot of states don't even have access to medical cannabis. So these patients are really stuck. I get contacted by a lot of them asking me to help them. And I can't help them because they don't have the access that they need. And it is really frustrating and hard. And I, you know, I think we have to get to the point where we're working with the pain clinics, where we're working with the uh, mental health facilities and the rehab so that they understand the important tool that cannabis is. I mean, I know when I went into medicine and studied medicine, I went in to make sure I could help people and to give them answers to what they were doing, not to just ignore something that we know is working. Uh, so that's some place that I think we really have to focus and figure out a way to do that because people are depending on us or waiting on us to do this. The people that actually know that cannabis can do this, I think they're 
there's a lot of hope out of there for the patients that don't understand this. And then we have the patients that are so far lost into pain, they can't even basically grasp that cannabis could even do this. Yeah. I think that, you know, hearing people's stories and understanding how they've advanced and how they've improved is such an important piece of what we do. I mean, I can see you sitting there and you're, you're bright, you're young and you feel good. And maybe it's not perfect, but I think it's much better than where you were. And oh, yeah. I think that, you know, you would like to see that everybody else has that same opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So is there anything that you feel that you've learned through this process that you could really provide extra help in, with patients in this process? Well, one thing I, you know, one thing when I was a kid, I won't, I won't, beat around the bush here. I did experiment quite a bit with recreational marijuana at the time. Um, and I think jumping ahead to like where we are now, I think going into this, I was thinking, you know, I know the information, I've done the research, but so much of what people still understand, and even like it's, it's bleeded out to me, is that, you know, this is a recreational thing and I gotta get past that myself to get into it. Uh, the, the fact is, is that because it was made illegal, like most drugs, of course they become recreational. They become a novelty, they become a curiosity. And people get in a lot of trouble when it comes to like stimulant drugs, or they, like I said, the synthetic stuff, or you know, opioids, uh, pure opioids. And I think that's one of the problems I originally had because on the other side of this, I am diagnosed with an alcohol use disorder. So I have been free of alcohol for over seven years. So that's where I was really perplexed because okay, am I in recovery now? What am I doing about this? You know, I consulted friends. Let me just say, I consulted many friends in the recovery community. And I would say majority of them put their nose up and their thumb down. And that was just like, well, that's disheartening to, to hear that because you, you're giving me information that you, you just identify cannabis as recreational and there's more to it now. We've, we've discovered that, like you said, all the research that they've done I mean, I think there's 14 different disorders now that in Pennsylvania that it uh, qualifies for. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, they didn't put opioid use disorder on there because they thought, hey, this is fun. Let's just add this one. So I kind of had to get around all of that, but I was so determined to try something that I knew from my understanding was not physical dependence, was not uh, going to you know, alter me in a lot of ways. I am not going to go back to my high school years and like in the woods with my buddy and a little bowl. We weren't going to do that, play that game again. This was totally different. And cause it's, it, you'll laugh at this. Cause it's funny when I first time I went to the dispensary, I had already used some CBD oil vapes. And of course they flavor those. So I walked into the dispensary and I'm sitting there with a cons consultant, the nurse that was there. And I said, yeah, so I want something with a real good flavor to it. And she's like, yeah, they're flavored, <laughs> but the, the terpenes, it's dependent on that. It's like, you can't get strong. I was telling her I wanted, strawberry and, and grape. Oh, I really like the, the pineapple they have. Uh, she, she didn't laugh at me, but she corrected me. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, so much, there's so much to it, yet there's not. Because one, what help, was helpful for me is that I did do some of the recreational stuff when I was younger. So I wasn't completely oblivious to its effects. I knew I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get too much into that realm where I don't want to use, I, I use the word euphoria and, and a lot of people will say euphoria is this bad word, it has this bad connotation to it. But euphoria means, hey, I'm happy, I'm feeling good. But who the hell doesn't want to feel good? I mean, to me, it just, I scratch my head when I still people say, oh, it's a drug term. You don't want to use that, you know, you're not on LSD. I'm like, no, euphoria could define a lot of different things. And when you're dealing with pain or discomfort, when you feel, finally feel good, and you know it's something that you're not going to be uh, you know, on the street corner looking for, hey, I need my next bag, let's go into, the, <laughs> go into the woods again and smoke up. Like, that's, that's not it at all. Uh, so I think it's, a, it's sort of a, an experience. You know, once you get started in this, it's very interesting. And it, it also, I think for me, because of being in recovery for alcohol, it was a lot of self-reflection. And I think I needed that. Um, and I won't say that everybody who I know in the recovery community turned their, turned their nose up to it. There was one or two people who were very open to it because as we know now, people are using ketamine for depression. 
they're using, you know, microdosing LSD for, you know, to help with PTSD and trauma and things like that. So there's, there's a lot to it. I think once you get around people that are open-minded but can look at both sides of it, uh, the conversation opens up, the dialogue is much more enriched, and you don't feel like you get away from this, you know, this, this stigma that you put on yourself. Because I, I didn't want to feel I didn't want to feel guilty about about using medicinal cannabis because guilt is one of the biggest issues that people have who are struggling with addiction. Changing people's perception of what it does, and going back to you being a young kid going out into the woods, you weren't treating something; you were just having a good time. You were wanting yeah. to, you know, experiment, explore, have fun. But when we're talking about medical conditions people really do feel the benefits. And one of the things I tell people, especially pain patients, just allow yourself to sit there and enjoy what's fixing to happen to your body. And allow yourself, I call it uplifting, because it actually makes me feel uplifted when I allow that to happen. And I get to feel something that I actually never thought I'd ever feel again in my life. Um, and I would bet you could probably say the same thing with your situation and your health that now you can feel things that you thought you would never experience again. Yeah, I like that too, uplifted. It's not what I really thought about, but that, that's a perfect definition or a perfect explanation for people who want to understand the, the, the positive side of it. Besides the health benefits and how it affects you and your condition, you, feel, you do feel good, you know? The, the awareness is there, uh, the positivity. You know, when I was going through all this stuff, I was so negative and it was just by default, like based on the condition, I couldn't, I couldn't really get out of it. And I, you know, I tried, when I, when I started doing this, before I, 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 you know, got my card, I did talk to a lot of people in recovery and they just wrote off my stuff that was going on with me because they didn't really understand it. So like, oh, you, you throw up a couple times. Okay. Oh, your stomach's rotting. Oh, you're, you're in pain. You're going to the bathroom a lot. Uh, you know, it goes back to like, if people don't understand where you're coming from, that they really don't understand. And, you know, you're talking about your pain level being at a 10. I had a good deal of pain and I, you know, my pain though might be different than what yours, you know, and, but if it's that extreme, cause it was with you and it was with me, you don't really care if it's eight, nine or 10. It sucks. Exactly. It's, it sucks. And, so I wasn't. I, I needed different sides of the opinion. You know, I have an older brother who's very, um, he's very worldly and very pragmatic, and he, you know, gave me his opinion. I have a close friend who also did, and you just eventually you have to make a decision for yourself. And am I going to do this or not? Give me the information, educate me, and let me give this a go. If it doesn't work, that's fine. Of course, most people works, um, but you know, I, I got to give it a try. I don't. I didn't want to do another. 10 years of this. I just couldn't do it. It was not pleasant. It's not uplifting. No. Well, I have to say that I have a mom that's 89 and I have a mother-in-law that's 85 and they were both totally against it, but they've seen how my health has changed and I'm past the six year mark now when I, and they both are such firm supporters of cannabis now and understand the benefits that it provides. So I think when we use our stories and people can see them, most people come around. There's still people that know I do this that don't come around because they still call it a drug. And it, it is not a drug the way people consider drugs. It is actually a medicine that your body was designed to receive and accept. Yeah. Well, because so it's a drug, it's also an illicit drug made that way because it was classified as, as having no use as a schedule one. And that was the government. And that, you know, the whole word marijuana came out because what was it during alcohol prohibition? Once the alcohol was available again, well, let's pull prohibition on marijuana because then people won't use that. And then they'll come back to now this is available. Um, and you were saying about six years, congratulations with that. That's awesome. You know, what you were, the way you were talking about it, I know this sounds like a cliche, but, I love the line, you know, try walking a mile in my shoes. And when I'm, when I was dealing with patients, when I was helping them, when I'm at the mental health center right now, and you have fellow coworkers who are like, eh, this person's doing this, and this person's, you know, manipulating, and, and they're weak, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I would always say, well, try and put your feet in their shoes for a little bit, and then see how you feel. 
So do you find that you have access to all the medications that you need there in Pennsylvania, or do you find that a struggle sometimes? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the dispensaries that I've been going to, uh, there seems to be a, a monopoly because it's, it's just a one specific dispensary and they have a couple in the area. Um, at least if I go outside of Harrisburg, I think there's one or two others. I, when I started, what I've noticed, and I don't know the reason because I haven't really been, with COVID, I haven't really talked to the, uh, the people working at the facility and other dispensaries now, but it seems like they go through different strains and if, once you find one you like, it disappears off the face of the map. So I think that's been my struggle because I found one or two that I really liked early on and now they are just, they evaporated into thin air. So what it gets down to, and again, a lot of the conversations, I'll, I'll call them bud tenders. I don't know what you call them, but the people working in the dispensaries, they call them bud tenders. I used to have, you know, four or five minute conversations with them there. They take the time with you. Now with COVID, you really can't do that. You know, you're, it's almost like a drive-by, like a, a takeout window. You, you go in, you order yourself online, you go in there and get it. I think my frustration, if there is any, is that once I get something I like, <laughs> it sort of is gone. But I noticed with me, just, um, you know, being, just using a little bit of fortitude, I will find something very similar. That's kind of what, what I've been doing. I hope that as this time goes on, there's more availability and whatever the process is that one strain's available for six months, then you don't see it for another six months. I hope that they sort of iron that out and you find a lot of useful stuff that you can sort of stick with, you know, like, because Dexalon, I take that in the morning for my stomach as well. Like there's, there's, you know, a bunch of different acid blockers, but this is the only one that's been helpful to me as an adult. Um, so, but there's not a lot. They're all, you know, it's either a proton pump inhibitor or it's an acid blocker in H2. That's it. But with uh, marijuana, you have all the terpenes. You have the different strains. You have the different, you know, you have the hybrids and the, the different balances of that percentage-wise and different amount of THC. So it's, it's, it is a lot of trial and error. I just, I think that it would be nice to see them streamline and have the same kind of products all the time. Nice to see the price came down too. Uh, it's not cheap. I think that once it's more available, supply and demand will probably um, get, you know, a little bit more diminished to the point where it does come down in price and availability is there. So, but it's a minor, it's a minor complaint, I suppose, if, that's, if I have one at all. One of the things I'm finding is that our dispensaries, dispensaries don't follow what someone is using that strain for. And that's one of the things we do at Effective Cannabis is actually determine what strains are working for which specific medical conditions. Because there are specifics for specific medical conditions. We are finding that. Sure. And so that's one of the frustrations I had is that I would go to the dispensary and pick up a product and go home and it worked great. Go back and try to get a uh, get more of it I usually will buy in a small amount because I want to make sure it works then I'll go back in the next week and it's all gone and it's like well where did that go oh we sold that out well when's it coming back well I don't know if we're going to grow it again right it's, it's I've like, heard that too <laughs> no you need to grow it again it works well that we don't make that decision here so it becomes important that we work with the grows and we actually start sharing with them the medicines that patients could use and benefit from. And that only happens as we, we come together and collaborate on this and start sharing our data so that we can show, okay, these are the strains that are actually working. These are the cannabinoids, these are the terpenes, because the more I study this, the more there's just strong evidence that those things matter and they do play a part in your system, then you have to look at your system because everybody's system is different. But we can see some real, real trends where certain things work for everyone across the board with that specific medical condition. And it's just helping educate the cannabis industry on how this should work because, you know, it's definitely turning recreational I have no problem with recreational. In fact, I think recreational is going to play a big part in us doing uh, preventative medicine. Uh, when I look at cancer and how we're using um, cannabis for cancer and it actually kills tumor cells, right. that if it can kill tumor cells once you have them, 
well, don't you think maybe it could prevent you from ever getting them? Great. <laughs> just, good idea. Yeah. How about yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I actually think everyone should be taking a small dose of CBD every day. Um, but we have to make sure it's quality CBD. Um, right. Because with the hemp industry and everything that's happened within it, we have everybody that's just slapping a label on a bottle calling it CBD. And we're finding oh, yeah. a lot of them don't even have CBD in them. Yes. Uh, uh, so um, it's kind of interesting just to talking to patients from different states and seeing that even though they work a little different and they have different medical conditions that are accepted within their uh, program, the industry is kind of working the same across the board. I don't see any real differences. You know, maybe they label it different or something like that. But as far as understanding strains and what patients are really looking for, it seems to all kind of be the same across the board. And you're fortunate, you said that you think that the bud tenders are pretty educated where you are and knowing information about your specific medical condition and what you should use. Uh, and yep. that's not across the board from state to state. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Well, think about it. We are asking somebody that generally makes $15 an hour to give us medical advice that we've been paying someone $250 an hour not even an hour, maybe 15 <laughs> right. minutes if you're lucky, <laughs> to tell us how to take care of our health. So I think that's an awful big responsibility to put on them. And I think that's a not really a good um, expectation that we should have as patients. I'm thankful for all the information that we can get from them. But like you said, if they don't have your same health condition, the chances of them understanding necessarily what you might need to treat that health condition they might not know that so yeah. there's a lot of education that needs to take place there yeah and i, I like your website because you exactly for the reason you just said like it's specific to conditions now, i can go on the dispensary's website and see reviews and not after looking at 10 reviews not know a single thing about what it's helping people for not a remotely like it's kind of you know mind-boggling because like I know people are using it for legitimate, you know, uh, disorders that are, are affecting them, but yet you would have no idea. Like, oh, the taste was harsh. Oh, I didn't like it. Uh, I'm like, well, how is this helpful? It's not helpful at all. So you have to find, you have to look outside the box. I think your site is great. I, I hope you continue it. Uh, I know for me, uh, like, I, you know, just that they're using specific, uh, growers or, or like companies that are manufacturing it, their strains is not just like, I uh, used, uh, you know, ACDC and it was great. Like, well, where'd you get it from? Like, what, you know, what is it was great for? Like, okay, uh, sure. Like nothing. Like it's, um, it's, it's, I think it's just, there's a lot of room to grow there and it will, I, I, I believe it will. It will if we push them there. If we don't as patients step up and collect this information and provide it, they'll never have it because they're not collecting it now. So yeah. it really lies within us to make sure that we do this and that if we want this to be medicine, we have to do that because we're gonna yeah. lose access to it. It's just gonna become recreational. I already have doctors telling me, it's not medicine, it's just recreational. Just go have some fun and let's get back to taking <laughs> care of you. Well, okay, first off, I don't know how you're taking care of me if you're ignoring my whole pain condition and yeah. not accepting that that needs to be treated anymore. It's not because of my fault. It's because you're so afraid of the opiate crisis and the uh, yeah. government, you know, taking your license away. And I get that. I understand that. But yeah. how are you treating all of me if you're ignoring that? And that comes back to that's the beauty of cannabis. And what we're finding is that we're actually introducing people to their inner healer and allowing them to experience and learn that they can actually be in charge for themselves for a whole lot of health conditions and understanding. And the other thing that I really try to help people understand and something that you talked about a little bit earlier when it comes to anxiety and depression and some of our brain health issues is there's a whole lot of work you can do on yourself without medication. And I think cannabis opens that door up for us to be able to do that because I think that cannabis allows us to 
sit back, relax, and allows our brain to actually be open to ideas and suggestions and, and just the way you feel. It puts you in touch with yourself more. And so oh, then yeah. you can start understanding because a lot of our anxieties and depressions get built from when we're kids. Sure. And I, do you recall how it is that you and I met? Um, social media, I believe. I, I think it was, was YouTube. Yeah. Was it YouTube? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we were both watching a doctor speak from, I think he was from uh, Mayo Clinic speaking okay. on cannabis and you okay. and I both, you yeah. and I both made comments in the section and then for somehow, some way you contacted yeah. me and said that you, you had a story you would like to share and uh, yeah. that's how we met and it's it's just been that's one of the things i love about cannabis is that you meet people <laughs> in the strangest places and uh -huh. you get to meet so many different people that you wouldn't get to meet and they come from all walks of life for all different reasons and i think that's another piece of cannabis that gets overlooked a lot of time and how it is actually bringing people together to work together and and collaborate to make change yeah I like even when I go to dispensaries because we said about different walks of life, you know, you'll see a business suit guy, you'll see blue collar, you know, me, I'm sort of sporty looking. So I'm in there with my gym shorts on. I mean, there's just a wide range of ages and you know, you, you, when I used to be going and just kind of hang out at a dispensary and pick something and have them talk to me, you could hear other people's conversations about what they use and what they're using it for. Not to be nosy, but you know, anecdotally, you want to know what's effective for other people because right now the research is on point, but not on point in the way like you're actually doing with your website where you're saying, okay, this is fibromyalgia. What's really good for that? Okay. What is fibromyalgia? Where's it coming from? What's the source? What's the, the, the active, you know, component of this that's causing the pain and agony or whatever. And I think that that's something that's really important to me is to see that, every, you know, we're all so different, but we all look, look different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have our opinions. We all have our belief systems. Um, me personally, the reason I got into counseling, I'm fascinated by human behavior. I just love it. I could hear stories all day about it. And like when I see people in their stories, like the doctor, for instance, talking about it, or someone talking about their issues or a, you know, a patient I had at the time telling me about their the drugs they use when they lived in New York City or whatever. Like there's just fascinating stuff uh, that make up who we are that I think that the conversation needs to be widespread and wide open and so everyone can join in. Uh, that's that's one thing I've, I've noticed and I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I do too. And I think that everybody, the dispensary is happy. That's the other thing I have to say is I've never seen an unhappy person at the dispensary, <laughs> right. ever. Right. I've never yeah. seen anybody throw a fit, have a tantrum, get mad or yell at someone. I mean, it's just the happiest place in the world. <laughs> yeah. It really see, is. Occasionally, you see people laughing, people joking around. Occasionally, you'll see someone looking kind of nervous, like, are you watching me? Do you know me? Because, you know, we're, I'm a small town. I don't personally care, uh, but that's just who I am. Uh, so I understand, you know, again, that goes back to the stigma and what society thinks and the government uh, but you know, once you break free of that shackle, uh, and you decide to do it and it, it helps, uh, you go from like your doctor saying, Oh, just go have some fun. You go from fun to functioning. Yes. And then once you fill your life again, then you can actually have fun. It's a totally different, um, you know, it's a totally different way of looking at it. Totally different view. Well, and I don't think you or I either one were having fun at one point in our life. I don't think there was any moment of our life that was fun or anybody around us was having fun. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it's funny. I work with a lot of, um, a lot of people who have similar issues than me. And I want to kind of sh get a mega horn in there and just shout, hey, by the way, this is what I do. And it's really helpful um, because you just kind of can't, you know what I mean? There's that. That's not available to me right now, at least. I think most people, like I'm sure you'd want to do it too. If you, you work around a lot of people that are suffering and struggling with things you know this would help for, you can't just say it. Because number one, you're immediately uh, criminalized because, oh, obviously he's talking about it. He must do it. Or if you tell him you're doing it, then like the eyes go cocked and, and they're cross-eyed and they're looking at you like, what? You're like, I didn't know that because people are still in that mentality that it's an illicit drug. It's recreational. It's no good. You know, let's 
put on reefer madness for everyone to watch and uh, you know the the town's going crazy uh, buildings are on fire and like, none of that stuff uh, but you know i'm hoping that that changes because a lot you know a lot of people i work with and people that were in recovery for alcohol were using cbd so what is it's not kind of is it big, that big of a stretch to consider this as well no i don't think so and that community's not real accepting of you doing this are they at all i mean with the no. way i no but i do know offhandedly i know there's some people that also got their card um i kind of stumbled on it through facebook um support groups and things that uh you know for medicinal marijuana we still call it mmj or whatever so i kind of know some people that are using it they've never obviously they, i've still seen them at aa meetings and things like that so I, that kind of made me feel i guess it made me feel good to be honest to know that i wasn't entirely alone uh, and these people were very you know very serious about the recovery i know them i know these people very well and i'm not I didn't want to call them out, so I didn't even reach out to them. I mean, that's how sort of, you know, confounded I was by the whole thing. So it, it does make me think that things are going to change. But, you know, you're talking about decades and decades of, of you know, criminalization and you know, just demonizing something that you could grow in your house, your, you know, not your backyard, but you could grow it, use it, and you're not going to die. You're not going to OD on it. You're not going to die. You're not going to become, you know, some maniac who has to be put in prison, all that stuff. Um, I might be getting a little carried away, but you know. <laughs> no, I think these are all valid points that we have to address. I mean, there's people that are sitting in prison right now that had less marijuana on them than I have on me in my house right now. And yeah, I'm using sure. it with no harm to me and my family, and they're still sitting behind bars. Right. And these are things that have to change, and we have to address them. There's yeah. just so many things. When I think about the cannabis industry and all the changes and the things that need to happen, I mean, we're starting a whole new industry. Many patients that don't even have access because they can't afford it by the time, I don't know, what does it cost to get a medical marijuana card there in Pennsylvania? Uh, it, it, it's 200 to see the doctor for the initial, and I think it was 150 to uh, renew, and then of course another $50 to the state. So roughly almost $500 in the last two years. Um, I want to know where I get it. I want to know what I'm getting. I want to know that uh, it's consistent. I worked at a supplement store for years, and when I buy an herb, if it's standardized, I want to know it's the same thing. If I buy this bottle and this bottle, and you know that's not very well regulated. Just like you said about the CBD oil, I mean, going to Amazon and see all the CBD products, I'd say two thirds of them are garbage. You probably don't even have half of what they say is in it. Right. You can attest to that. Yep. So, yeah. So exciting about Effective Cannabis is we're bringing in, everybody there has a talent. Everyone has a different expertise. And we try to tap into and utilize all of those so that everybody across the board is being able to use what they know and what they've learned. So it actually is a, a good place to collaborate and learn from and experience with other people that can relate to you. That's the other part of it. Everybody there is actually a patient. Everybody that works with us is a patient or a family member of a patient. Right. Yep. Any final thoughts about... Anything you'd like to share today? Well, I really appreciate you having me on here. I, I like the idea you mentioned about each person has their own strengths to share their voice. And I hope that mine was helpful today. Uh, I am very passionate about this now, mainly because I've seen so many people die, so many people suffer that literally just, it was like no one was even reaching out their olive branch to, to help these people and say, hey, Here's, here's some hope for you. Here's a, a direction. Here's something you can do. Uh, it's not, you're not out of options. Uh, you don't need to get, di you know, dire and do something like suicide or just get deeper in your addictions to, you know, to painkillers or heroin or whatever you're doing. There are other options. And thankfully, it's being more accepted. And I believe that what you're doing and your website and just, it's like a movement now, you know, moving into a positive place where, People don't feel like they're doing something wrong, but they're doing right by themselves. And I think that's, that's, that's huge for me, well, for I, you. 
appreciate you being here. I uh, love to have you come back anytime and sit down and discuss. I think when I was putting together the notes for us for this podcast, I realized that there's more topics than we can ever cover in an hour right. or two conversation. <laughs> I, yeah, I printed it out. It's like 10 pages here. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be here for three hours. It was a lot, there's a lot of good questions on here we didn't get to. And right. I, I think we discussed a lot of great things that, that can help start. You know. Yeah, we have to start somewhere and this is where we start. And But I'd love to have you back on and uh, love for you to... Um, contribute as much as you like uh, if you ever have a topic you just want to co discuss contact me let me know and we'll make it happen awesome all right debbie thank you so much all right thank you i hope you have a wonderful day you too okay, okay bye i will leave you with one final comment ignoring pain and illnesses is debilitating and becomes destructive when you are ignored misunderstood or abandoned we know how special you are and know you are important. Your pain, health, and life matter. Let us help you learn how to invest in yourself. Echo Podcast is provided by EffectiveCannabis.com. They do not grow, produce, or sell products. They study them to learn and teach effective cannabis medicine style. We provide all of this information to bring you medical awareness. This is not medical advice.